0: Our gospel lesson for today comes from the gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning uh, in chapter 26, beginning at the 69th verse. Now, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. The courtyard is our um, place of the passion for today. It is the courtyard of the high priest Caiaphas. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, And a servant girl came up to him and said, you were also, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. He said to the bystanders, she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. And after a while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of what Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Well, today marks one year that we have been meeting through Zoom. It was March 15th of last year that we had our first worship service, and we have had fellowship online virtually. Um, And I don't like the word virtual because virtual is fellowship as well. So we're looking at the courtyard today and the courtyard is a place of the passion. It's mentioned in Matthew and we're looking specifically at this place. Noel Coward, maybe you remember him, was a famous British playwright who died in 1973. Well, one time he played a joke on 20 of the most famous men in London. He sent all 20 men an identical note that read, everybody has found out what you have done. If I were you, I would get out of town. What do you think all the 20 men did? All 20 men got out of town. What if you opened your mailbox one day and found a note just like that? Everybody's found out what you have done. If I were you, I'd get out of town. What would race through your mind? What would you be thinking about? Maybe the income that you hid from the IRS one year. eh, That's not a lot of money. I'll just let it slide. Perhaps all the time that you spent playing video games or watching TV, maybe while you were at work. The expense account that you inflated, maybe it was a secret rendezvous somewhere. Looking at a G word and it's not a G man like government man and the G word is guilt. Sometimes guilt can sit on your chest and like a concrete block until we feel sick, sick enough to die. And that's brought out in the Psalms all the time as we've been looking through those on Wednesday night. The body aches, the bones, the heart, the guts when we feel guilty of sin. Maybe there's someone on the planet who hasn't known guilt or a quagmire of remorse, an ongoing note to self that they suck or they're worthless, but I've never met that person. What sucked you under? A one-night stand, a backstreet brawl, a drunken binge, or maybe your guilt isn't the result of a moment but of a season in your life, perhaps when you were younger. Maybe you feel guilty that you perhaps failed as a parent. I think we all feel that sometimes, that we could have done better. But that guilt feeling remains. Maybe you squandered your youth. Maybe you squandered your money, or both. The result is always guilt. In the series in Matthew, in which we are walking with Jesus, and as our standard hymn for the last few Sundays, today we walk to the courtyard in Jerusalem the courtyard of the high priest is named Caiaphas. In Caiaphas's courtyard, we see guilt. We see Peter's guilt and we see our own guilt. Beyond the courtyard, though, we see grace. Grace for Peter and grace for us. To get into the context, let's rewind the tape a little bit and go back to Gethsemane, where Peter makes the claim. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. A side note about this rooster crowing. Historically, and as we have depicted in paintings and pictures, it's always been supposed that an actual rooster did the crowing, alerting Peter to his sin. In reality, however, Roman soldiers were posted on guard throughout the watches of the night at three hour intervals from six to nine, nine to 12. And the third watch was known as the rooster watch. It was from midnight till 3 a.m. And at 3 a.m., the Roman guard sounded his trumpet to announce that all is well, that all is clear. Everything will be okay. Will everything be okay in this story? Will everything turn out all as well for Peter? Well, Jesus and Peter had been through so much together. Three years earlier, Jesus was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus sees Peter fishing with his brother Andrew and calls them to follow. I will make you fishers of men, he says in Matthew 4. Peter and Andrew follow. One day, about a year later, Peter follows Jesus out onto the Sea of Galilee during a whale of a storm. Peter walks on the water, but then he begins to sink. Jesus immediately reaches out. He reaches out his hands and takes hold of Peter and saves him. And then again, you'll remember at Caesarea Philippi, Peter says to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And after that, Jesus takes Peter along with James and John, and they go up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they see Jesus in all of his glory. Then Jesus invites them, the same trio, to witness his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. No wonder Peter makes that claim. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. We've all made that claim, though. When we got confirmed in the church, the pastor asked, do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word and deed remain true to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, even to death? And what did we say? I do. When we got married, the pastor asked, will you take this man to be your wedded husband? And the women said, I do. Will you take this woman to be your wedded wife? And we men said, I do the claim. The claim is easy to make, but there are cracks that appear. And as the events unfold in the courtyard, it's like watching cracks in a house's foundation that slowly spread. First, the servant girl comes up to Peter and says, you were with Jesus, the Galilean. Peter denies it. He says, I don't know what you mean. The first crack. Then another crack. Peter then goes out into the courtyard's entrance. When another servant girl sees him, she says to the bystanders around there, this was the man, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denies it. Only this time, much stronger, with an oath. I don't know the man. Crack number two. Can you see it splitting? When there are enough cracks, there will always be a collapse a disaster always. And here's the collapse. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. I don't know the man. Well, we know from first century documents that the Jews in Galilee spoke a different dialect of Aramaic. It's like when you hear someone from the deep south speaking. So Peter's action, accent betrayed him. But what does Peter do? The expression, even though it's plain as day that he was with him, he invokes a curse on himself. This is where in English we get the word anathematize, because that's the word in Greek. Anathematize means to be eternally condemned. Paul uses the same word in Galatians 1, 8, and 9 when he says, if anyone preaches a different gospel to you, let him be anathematized. Let him be eternally condemned. Peter would rather be condemned than admit that he knows Jesus. He would rather be condemned than admit that he knows Jesus. First comes Peter's evasive denial. Then comes Peter's direct denial and oath. Now comes Peter's curse. What's next? The rooster crows, the trumpet sounds. The Roman soldier says, all is clear. After the cracks appear comes the collapse. And for us, it happens when we say "Eh, just one more drink or just one more lie or just one more fling, or just one more look, or just one more whatever, crack, crack, crack. But one more always leads to one more, always leads to one more. And when there are enough cracks, there's a total collapse, always. We can see that, although I won't wanna bring politics, so we can see what's going on in New York as a prime example of that. If we can't see it happening in our own lives, it's always a collapse. Then what? Then we enter the G word. Then we enter guilt. Even though we may keep a cool exterior, our inside is, like they say in Spanish, pacas arriba, feet up, head down. Then what are your options when you feel the guilt? That's the key, and that's what Peter's going through. Each of us has a whole bag of options with which we frequently deal or respond to our guilt. In our bag of options, we might choose to numb our guilt with a drink during happy hour. Maybe we numb it through binge shopping. Malls always make us happier. Maybe we numb it through binge internet gaming or binge eating or binge drinking or binge TV watching, so easy to do now with streaming. We might choose to deny our guilt, pretend the rooster never crowed with something else, concoct a plan to cover it all up. One lie leads to another lie, leads to another lie. And before long, we have to adjust the second lie to align with the first, and then the third lie to align with the second. Numb it, deny it. We might choose to bury our guilt, Bury your guilt beneath a mountain of work and a calendar of appointments. The busier we stay, the less time we have to spend with that one person we have come to dislike so much, ourselves. Or we might punish ourselves. Cut ourselves, which is what goes on a lot today. Flog ourselves, if not with whips, then with rules. Create a long list of things to do. Pray more make promises to study the Bible more, show up earlier, stay up later. We might choose to minimize our guilt. We didn't sin. It wasn't that bad. We didn't lose our way. We didn't sin. We just got caught up in the moment, and we we didn't sin. We just took the wrong path for, for a minute. Or We might probably redirect our guilt. Lash out at the kids. Lash out at your spouse. Lash out at co-workers, your neighbors, your cat, your dog, the driver in the next lane, the man in the yellow submarine, whatever it might be, it's their fault, not mine. Or we can offset our guilt, build the perfect family, create the perfect career, score perfect grades, and be completely intolerant of the mistakes that other people make, guilt. That G word turns us into miserable, weary, angry, stressed out people. Guilt sucks the life right out of us, but grace restores it. Grace restores it through confession. This is the option that scripture gives us, only scripture. It offers us to come before God, a loving father, and admit our sinfulness, admit our guilt, our weakness, our brokenness the confession of Peter. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter didn't numb his guilt. He didn't deny it. He didn't bury it. He didn't punish it like Judas did. He didn't minimize it. He didn't redirect it and blame others, and he didn't offset it. Peter confesses his guilt, period. While Peter went outside the courtyard to confess, Jesus went to the cross to die. Jesus doesn't wait until we get it all together. Jesus doesn't wait until we overcome our temptations and fight our demons and conquer our own sin, deal with our own guilt. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we still had that guilt, Christ died for us. In our courtyard, we see guilt. But beyond our courtyard, at the cross, we see grace. And grace means what? It means forgiveness. It means new life. Like Peter. Who preaches the sermon on Pentecost? Peter. Whose sermon converts 3,000 people? Peter. Who writes two books in the New Testament? Peter. Peter knows the resurrected Christ. He sees and experiences his love and his forgiveness. In Christ, Peter is a comeback. A comeback doesn't depend on how much we love Jesus. Comebacks depend on how much Jesus loves us, restores us, gives us new life. Not a second chance, but a new beginning. The old being sacrificed together with Christ on the cross. Comebacks don't depend on what we do for Jesus. Comebacks depend on what Jesus does for us. Comebacks don't depend upon us giving our life for Jesus. Comebacks depend on Jesus giving his life for us. Remember when Jesus told Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, And when that Roman soldier blew his trumpet, as we've come to know, Peter knew his sin and felt his guilt. At that moment, the trumpet was a wake up call to acknowledge his sin. But the intention of the Roman soldier, even in the face of what Peter had done, was to announce to everyone that all is well. Though for Peter, the trumpet blast sealed his guilt and shame. Perhaps Jesus meant for Peter to hear that it was, as it was meant to be, a reminder that all is well. Even though Peter was swallowed up by guilt in that moment, maybe Jesus was reminding him that his sin was swallowed up in grace and forgiveness, and that in spite of Peter's hearing that rooster as a nail in his coffin, it was a trumpet blasting all is well. Peter's story didn't end in guilt and shame and ours doesn't either. When Jesus is in it, it's interesting how we can get lost in our own guilt and misery and not hear the trumpet announce that all is well. We can all come back from guilt through the grace of Christ. Amen.